0: Welcome to another edition of ALEC Across the States. Today, I have with me Shelby Emmett, Representative Mark Lipak, and Tyson from the Alliance Defending Freedom. Thank you guys for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having us.
2: Great to be here. Thank you.
0: So we have some really great topical, timely news to talk about today with the executive order coming down yesterday. On free speech on campus, uh, college campuses, I uh, really want to get into a deep dive discussion and let our listeners know uh, what's going on with that. Shelby, if you want to go ahead and take uh, charge on this, and you know, let our listeners know what's going on, and then I'd love to hear from an Oklahoman perspective, uh, and also Representative Leepak. I understand you were there yesterday. You have a lot of great yes, insight on in this, yeah. And uh, I think we're gonna have a great discussion today, Shelby.
1: Great. So, so. F- For everyone listening, we'll just basically go over what the order actually says, um, what Alex's position is, and then I'm going to open it up with uh, Tyson and the representative to do everything else and talk about their experience there. So um, basically, the executive order states that institutions, public institutions um, that are applying or expect to receive federal grants designed for research have to have each department that they're getting that grant through certify basically that they're in compliance with the first amendment and any laws or regulations around that private institutions would have to certify that they're upholding whatever policies they already have around free expression. And that's just a basic way of saying that under the first amendment under campus speech, Public institutions are expected to uphold free speech, but private institutions also have a First Amendment freedom of association right. So they can do whatever the heck they want. They just have to state what it is and then uphold it. So that's basically what the executive order does. It doesn't apply to financial aid, student academic programs, just federal research funds. Um and basically, our position is we think it's great that the administration is taking this seriously. It is a very important issue. But, you know, we're Alec, and we know that uh, big government usually is bad, and <laughs> the states are usually better than the feds. So we're optimistically, um, you know, what is it? Reagan's trust and verify. We are in um, verification. Yeah. So yes. we're going to wait and see how this is actually rolled out and work closely with our members and with the administration to make sure that free speech is still protected, regardless if it's happened at the federal stage level, so.
0: Yeah, so so Tyson, what's your approach on the executive order and also uh, ADS approach? I mean, uh, what what were your guys' reaction as it was coming down the pike and then after it actually came out and uh, was signed after the event that Representative Leepak was at?
3: Sure, well, this is why I like uh, working with Shelby and with Alec because our take was almost exactly in line with Alex. Um, <laughs> the, so it, it's, it's great to, to have the same take. So the bottom line is, we are, are very thankful that we have an administration that recognizes the problem on campus and that recognizes it is a problem, that they didn't listen to the universities and just take their word that, hey, there's nothing to see here because there is something to see there. There is, there is a problem. We had four clients on stage with President Trump and Ellie Whitman, who spoke um, at the conference, was one of our clients uh, who we represented last year. Um, we had many more in the audience, so this is a problem. Uh, it does need to be solved, but at the same time um, we we do believe that um, the best option is to you know is for this to to be taken care of at the state level and even you know at individually at the at the institutional level um, so So we are also um, taking this this wait and see approach uh, because as we 've seen in, in um, in our work, the devil really is in the details, as Shelby said, and so it's easier said than done to say, "Hey, you need to comply with the First Amendment." Um, that that doesn't. Give an institution um, or a a government official enough information. And so, what needs to be done is there need at the implementation level, you know, we're looking for some objective criteria to be put in place so that we don't have a, a government official just using complete discretion to determine which institutions are in compliance and which aren't. Um, it's the same thing that we do when we're evaluating a university's policies. We say, look, it's great to say you're content neutral, but that doesn't mean anything. It needs to have objective criteria to make that determination.
0: Uh, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. I, I do want to pivot just for a quick uh, moment. Uh, Representative Lepak you were one of the few who was actually in the room yesterday with President Trump when this executive order was signed. Uh, what did you expect was going to happen with this event and you know how did the event play out with those expectations?
2: Well we didn't know what to expect first of all <laughs> and, and there's a little bit of a backstory as to how I even got there the um, the Senate author of uh, Oklahoma's Senate bill 361. Um, lost her co-author on the House side unexpectedly a couple of days before deadline. And it wasn't that he didn't want to run the bill. There were some digits that got transposed as he was trying to sign up for another bill, and he got put on that one. And when, when she found out, oh, he's not really my – I don't have a co-author. I happened to walk up on this conversation and say, well, I like this bill. I'll do it. <laughs> so I sign up 48 hours later. Place, yeah. Right? yeah. I, I'm getting a, a call from the speaker saying, hey, the White House asked if you wanted to come – come to this event and so the senator and i said sure and and here you know so we got the information where to show up and what time and that's really all we knew and uh then once we got there um uh, we realized this was more about the students which was just great so we're standing in line outside in the rain waiting to get in the side gate um and there are probably 120 students total maybe a little bit more um an outdoor event turned into an indoor event because of the, uh, we had of great the weather. great D.C. weather yesterday. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Which means
0: bad weather.
1: <laughs> so, uh,
2: for our listeners not in D.C. We were in the East Room, so we got through the, all the security and wound our way through the White House and, and eventually filed into this room. Um, the, the unexpected thing for us was uh, we realized each of these students had a story as to why they were there.
0: Yeah. Um, Something that happened to them on campus or, yeah. or a reason why they wanted to yeah. really fight for more free speech principles on you know, their college campus. Exactly. That's awesome.
2: And, um, but as they discovered why we were there, um, and I could only identify a couple of other legislators in the room, a senator and I, Senator Julie Daniels from Oklahoma and, and I, and then uh, one from Tennessee and one from Louisiana, are the only ones I, I could find uh, in the room, uh, They that students were thanking us for running this legislation on behalf of their peers in Oklahoma. We had students there from um, upper New York, uh, Virginia, a, a lot of East Coast area schools. We had uh, some from Cincinnati, w- uh, Michigan that we met. Uh, I saw somewhere in the University of Washington, CAPS, um, uh, make UW great again, that kind of thing. Um, so
1: can you tell us, So, for a quick background, <clears throat> The a lot of states are introducing uh, versions of Alex model policy. Our forum act and our forum act is basically our 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 solution to the campus speech problem. It takes a limited government, free market. Government transparency approach—that's pro-student. So it's really cool to hear so many young people, college students, actually embrace that and actually see, like, no, this is a good thing for for me. And to see that, uh, representative, could you tell us more? What what were the students thanking you for as a representative in tackling the campus speech issue?
2: Well, I think it it was rooted in their own experience of the pushback. There was something they wanted to talk about. One student told us about an article he had written. And he didn't get into the topic. He was just told if he ever reported on that again, he would be, and I, I don't know if he was going to be kicked out of school or suspended or some sort of, some, some sort of yeah. yeah administrative thing. I'm personally aware in Oklahoma of a couple of situations where students kind of get hauled on the carpet to explain themselves. And, you know, the the administration is kind of bearing down on, on somebody who really didn't do anything wrong. Um, uh, and I, so I think, they're reacting to that, and when they heard we were running this bill, it was like, Okay, you're one of us, you know, you, you, you're a free, you're the fighter old guy that speech. gets it, that yeah. gets what we <laughs> students are having to deal with, you know.
1: So, you were we were talking before the, the recording started, and you were telling me about your great college experience. What has your college experience like? It, it seemed when we were discussing that you had a lot of. Sympathy is not the right word, but you understood the passions of a lot of young people today. And it was it was great to hear. I think sometimes young people, they're not always doing it the right way, but a lot of them have the right spirit, right? They want to use free speech. And you were reflecting on your time on a college campus. So could you tell us a little bit more about that for those that may be thinking that the kids today may not be as professional and civilized as the students
2: Oh, my goodness. Then. So... So my college days were fall of 74 to the spring of 78. Um, and I like to joke in Oklahoma, a lot of the 60s didn't get there to the 70s. But um, <laughs> as a student and raised in a very conservative household, you know, um, I didn't get any trigger warnings that I would be finding people burning a flag on campus mm-hmm. or, you know— it was. Stripping down and and burning a bra and that that kind of thing, um, uh, a lot of drug use, marijuana use, uh, those kinds of things, and and we were actually expected to cope with the things that we were going to find on campus. the 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 concept that we might be offended just wasn't part of the conversation. It was more, you're going to get into this wide world and you're going to experience things on this college campus that. You know, maybe you weren't raised with different points of view. I remember a friend. Um, so I, I, I became eventually a, uh, a resident advisor. This is an upperclassman that lives in the dorms. And um, um, they did a, a session on um, race relations. Uh, I had a, who I thought was a really, really good friend bear some things emotionally um, about my race. Which totally surprised me. But it wasn't banned. It gave us a chance to talk about something that this woman was feeling. Um, And in
1: such a pivotal time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're 20 years old. To have that conversation. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I didn't need to be warned. I didn't need to be in a safe zone. Uh, Just there it was. Just raw, right there. And in real time, you could react the way you might react. And, And in this case... Uh, talk about it.
0: Yeah. So so Tyson, I want to loop you back in as well. Um, I'm not sure if you have similar yes, college stories. Exciting yeah. fun
1: parties that we should
0: <laughs> know about. Or, or maybe some, some <laughs> lessons that you've learned that are reasons why you support policies like the ALEC model policy uh, of forum for uh, instituting free speech principles on campus. Um, and really love to get your take on this because I know you're coming at it from a you know completely different uh, approach than we are.
3: Yeah, you know, I don't have any stories, uh, frankly, and and rooted. Uh, I mean, I have stories, but nothing that would be <laughs> to nothing that be relevant to the conversation. Uh, you know. The, I went to I went to Wichita State University and I, you know, I was politically active, but I didn't have any any problems in general. It wasn't my passion for this issue it didn't come from that. It really came from just coming from a family that that really um, appreciated my, my grandfather loved America and he loved what what it stood for. And he always just told me how um, how lucky I was to live in a, in a country like this that had constitutional freedoms. And so I just always had an appreciation for that and always had a passion to continue those because I was taught history and that history shows that America is unique in uh, in world history to maintain these types of freedoms and that those freedoms don't just they're not the default they're always they're always fought for every generation and so I just had a passion for that and and my my time at ADF has continued to reinforce that passion because what it's shown me is that. You know, human nature doesn't change. Uh, Human nature, when people get in power, they tend to enforce it in a way that is, you know, in their own interests. And as of right now, universities are predominantly liberal. That's not a you know, they, they just are the administration, the professors. And so if you don't have policies in place and laws in place that make sure that that the uh, these policies are enforced in a neutral manner. They're not going to be, um, unfortunately. And so we just, we need to have those protections. And I've seen a lot of students, I mean, Ellie Whitman that spoke there, I mean, she all she wanted to do was just have a, A static display showing, hey, here's how many abortions take place in Ohio every year. That's all it was, just crosses. You see those types of crosses in cemeteries every day, and yet her school told her that she couldn't have that display without putting warning signs around all of the 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 campus warning people that they may be triggered if they come there well that that completely changes the message that she was trying to convey and it completely changes the audience and in fact somebody after they were able to have their previous display the previous year came to her and said look i chose to have my baby because of your display this last year i was considering abortion and so these messages have impact and and it's important that that students are able to express their message and then engage in conversations, even difficult conversations, like the representative just told us about. Those are how we grow. Those are how we come together as a society. If you stop those conversations, there's going to continue to be division. And so we, you know, we, we think that the answer is more speech, um, and the answer to our problems is more speech.
1: We come together, we
3: give our sides, and hopefully we see the humanity in each other when we're able to do that.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome.
1: So, Tyson, um, what I would love to do is help members and our audience understand more about what's happening in state legislatures across the country on campus uh, speech. And I wanted to talk specifically about our model policy, but more specifically, what pushback and what's happening on the ground when uh issues of campus speech are brought up and why do some people oppose it and what's happening so uh representative could you tell us more about as you've walked through campus speech in in oklahoma what is some of the pushback that you've gotten what groups or entities in oklahoma don't think that protecting free speech on college campuses is is an important thing to do
2: well, honestly, at this point, I personally have not received any pushback as we're just getting started on the House side hearing this bill. I understand the senator had some, um, uh, a few higher ed conversations with with members of higher ed. Um, most of the pushback I expect will be indirect uh, from people through the minority party, which uh, did oppose the bill over in, in the Senate, although there was one on each side that broke ranks and voted against the bill. So uh, that's really where I expect to hear from people.
1: Tyson, so could you jump in on here as well? As you experience in your background and you've come to state legislatures, I guess my first question for you is, what have you heard from the higher education community about campus speech legislation?
3: Sure. The first, the first thing is they're like, hey, there's, you know, no problems. We don't have any problems here, um, and it's just wrong. I've I've reviewed hundreds and hundreds of policies across the country, and at virtually every institution, there's at least one policy that infringes on the First Amendment rights of students. Now, they're not always intentional. They're, you know, some of them are well intentioned. They're trying to, you know, accomplish maybe a good thing, but they're doing it in a heavy-handed way that uh, that violates the First Amendment. So, the, the fact is, when we're able to come in there, we can definitely show that there 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 is a need in every state for this type of legislation. That's um, and and here's the thing that's great about um, what what the executive order does. I think that shows this is um, now there's thirty eight billion dollars every year given to schools. And so as a state. Um, you know, your institutions are now at risk of losing those if you don't have these policies in place. So as a state, you can protect the institutions from themselves, really, by enacting these laws saying, look, we don't want you to lose, uh, you know, these federal funds. So uh, the first is, the first issue is we don't have a problem. And and we can definitely show there's a problem in in every state with these types of, of policies. The second thing we hear is, well, what about hate speech? You know. Um and, uh, and what about speech that you know and, and hate speech typically at universities is just things speech that they don 't like speech that that contravenes kind of their progressive ideology um, and and what we have to tell them is, look, there is no such thing constitutionally as hate speech. Um, that's not carved out and you don't get to determine what hate speech is there, you know? And so the, um, the types of things that you guys are, that, that the schools are suppressing, they're not, it's not unprotected speech. Um, So we, we have to give examples of, of, you know, the, uh, the types of speech that they have suppressed and show that that is in fact protected. So those are two of the big, big pushbacks um, that we get. I think there's probably more, uh, you've been out there as well. Shelby, what are what what are the ones uh, I'm missing? Are there some others you want me to address?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest one is probably what the schools will probably say about what the, the cost of litigation. So uh, I'm actually sure. going to push this right back at you. Um, how much if a lawsuit happens, could you explain to people just real quickly? How does a student go and sue a school? How does it work? I've had institutions say things like, "Well, if they're they're just it's just going to f- create an environment where students just run amok suing us and drain the state budget." Uh, yeah. Is that what ADF does? Do you just wait, look so, for students, and then just go and sue them within five minutes, and that's it? And you never try to resolve anything.
3: No, no, absolutely not. I mean, here's the thing: a lawsuit is extremely. Expensive for us, personally, we have to, we bear that cost, you know, initially, it's very time consuming, and not very efficient. And so if we can resolve something without a lawsuit, that's the goal. And many times we're able to do that. Um, And and frankly, even when we file a lawsuit, um, we, you know, the vast majority in the last three years have been settled very quickly, um, with a policy change. And so our goal is not and is never to have protracted litigation because that's not efficient and it's not very effective because the longer that litigation goes on, the longer that bad policy remains in place and the longer the student doesn't get what they want, which is typically the ability to speak on campus or the ability to have a student organization recognized on campus. We can't litigate for three years and not have that group recognized because the student's not graduated and gone. So there's no incentive to have long litigation for anybody. Um, and that's not the goal. And I can tell, you know, I've worked with other um, organizations like ours, that's not their goal as well either. Their, their goal is to get the policy changed. And if university will work with us on that, that can be done very quickly and very inexpensively. And, but here's the other interesting thing. Most of the students, I, I don't have any students that are jumping up and down saying, I've always wanted to sue my school. <laughs> they just don't do it. They're very reluctant because they love their schools. And they're there to get an education and they don't want to be that doesn't make them a, you know, a hero on campus. Many times it makes them a pariah. This isn't there's and there are many, many states that have um, Arizona's had this type of law in place for several years. And there's not been a flood of lawsuits. It's not going to happen. It you know, it is. It, very difficult to get a student for a to student to to make the decision to sue their school. It's usually done very reluctantly and only as a matter of last resort.
0: Yeah, I think that's really great insight, especially uh, for those who are interested in you know what the lawsuits look like and you know how often they are. Uh, I do want to move over back to Representative Leepak. I know uh, you know since you were in the room uh, at the signing there yesterday. Uh, you, you were intimately, uh, next to the, the remarks that the president was giving. I mean, what did you think of what he was saying, uh, in general, and then also on the executive order, uh, specifically, uh, when you're thinking about, uh, the Forum Act, you know, good ALEC model policy, and then also SB 361.
2: Okay. So it sounds like I get to go all over the place with that question, but I think (laughs) I I can I'm trying to have you uh, have some fun there. I think I can tie all that together. Um, you know, as, as Tyson was talking, um, I, my thought was, this isn't so much about lawsuits. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody wants to jump to the end and to the, the extremes we see out sure. there. And a lot of this is a lot more subtle. The examples that the the three students spoke with the, uh, on stage with the president, um, their examples were not, they were outrageous in that they had to put up with this kind of pushback, but they didn't really do something that was all that outrageous. You see the violence and destruction, and it's well documented. On and we see it on on TV. Yeah, uh, that's occurred on some college campuses, and this wasn't that dramatic. And I think in Oklahoma, I don't think our I think our universities are more concerned about order than they are really squelching anything. They're more concerned about getting it out of control. And what I like about this legislation is it kind of flips the script instead of uh cautioning people about don't do these things because you've got to worry about all this this is more about putting something in writing in policy in, in handbooks in training for university officials out on a website about what free speech is it it, it isn't about as the president said trigger warnings and free speech zones and i mean uh, Uh, safety zones and and those kinds of things. This is more about uh, the expectation of what the first amendment is that the right, uh, including the right to free uh, free speech. Uh, And and so when you set that expectation, um, I think you will have a better result in the end. You won't have the lawsuits that, that everybody wants to talk about. Um, It's, and so back to the president's remarks, you know, the devil's in the details on these kinds of things. And we don't know exactly how this will be executed, but uh, the the executive order, I mean, but I think he put a finger right on the problem, which is things have gone too far the way they've gone. And it's an awareness. This is our First Amendment right. This is an awareness issue. This is a You know, let's not be passive and sit back and just say, "Oh, that's a shame." Whenever we see it, this is no—it's not just a shame; it's wrong. And I shouldn't be intimidated. I I should be able to speak my mind. Uh, So the legislation, I think, does a great job of putting something in place that'll actually probably help universities more than than it'll hurt them. But I I understand when you're in an administrative environment, you come up with something and you've got your your rules and your regulations and, and how you're operating, somebody outside is saying, no, 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 you got to rethink this. And and But I think it'll be okay. I think we have a lot of support in Oklahoma. I know personally a couple of college presidents, um, and I know uh, many administrators. Oklahoma's not a large state. Uh, I think this will be something they can handle really easily.
1: Yeah, I, I just wanted to – say the exact same thing. That's what that's what I've really, <laughs> really liked about Forum and working with the groups that we did is we were still very much concerned that the problem here, again, isn't necessarily legal. It's cultural, right? You want everybody... The, the best case scenario, our college students all over the country are holding protests and counter-protests and counter-counter-protests, yeah. and they're doing it in this great, wonderful way, and they're learning and they're engaging. That's the ultimate outcome. We don't want anyone to fear expressing themselves regardless, right? So that's why making sure that you have a clear policy lined up, you make sure that the adults know exactly what's going on, but you also make, you set the standard. And that's what Forum does. It sets the standard to say, this is exactly what we expect from ourselves as public institutions. This is exactly what I expect of myself as a college president, as a campus police officer, because I'm receiving tax dollars and I have a duty under the 14th amendment to uphold and defend your rights. But also this is what I expect from you as an American, as a young person, in this country on a college campus to learn how to debate and critically think and challenge somebody. So with those positions and those passions that you really believe in, you can actually go out into society and achieve them. I think that's the biggest problem on top of that that we don't talk about is when we protect young people from this, the people that are the most passionate about whatever their social cause is aren't actually learning the tools in order to actually fight for that and make it happen, because they don't know how to address an opposing view. And as you know, legislative, like, Representative, that's exactly what all of this is about. You don't get to sound policy solutions if you're not able to engage with people around you, especially with people you disagree with.
2: I call it the echo chamber, You, exactly. whether it's social media or even our our w- uh, unwillingness to directly engage people with eye contact and verbal conversation. I text when I could call. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I would rather text than talk. I would rather look at my phone than look at you. Uh, I would rather text while you're talking. I you know, there's social media and I get in a small group that reinforces everything as opposed to challenge. Now you yeah. see challenges on social media. I've been through a couple campaigns and I've seen I've but seen what can happen, But it usually turns into,
0: you know, one both sides becoming more emboldened you know and what, entrenched what? <sighs> in their positions mm-hmm. as exactly. opposed to coming to any sort of common ground or listening to the other side. Yeah. At least yeah. from my perspective. I agree.
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
0: Um, I mean, it, it, you know, from what you guys are saying, it really does sound like this is a great first step to at least pointing out what we all agree is a really big problem on college campuses. And I just want to take a moment here and thank you, uh, Representative Lee Pack for leading the charge over there in Oklahoma, uh, with your co-sponsorship of uh, Senate Bill 361. Uh, And then also, you know, being over there and being invited. Congratulations. And I hope you had a great time uh, listening to uh, the President's remarks and being there at the historic signing of the executive order. And uh, thank you for coming on our podcast today.
2: Well, thank you for having me. It was really great seeing the president connect with young people. Yeah. That was probably the thing that stood out the most. They genuinely were thrilled to be there. And it wasn't the celebrity thing. It, he, You can't see it on TV. <laughs> he was directly connecting with these people, and, um, and they were responding with love. It was, it was oh. really great to be there. That's awesome.
0: And, you know, also thank you to Shelby, our director of the Center to Protect uh, Free Speech, for coming on the podcast today.
1: Thanks for having me. And then Appreciate Tyson it.
0: over at the Alliance Defending Freedom. Thank you so much for calling in and joining the discussion on free speech on college campuses in the States.
3: Absolutely. It was my pleasure.
0: All right. And uh, thank you guys for listening. We will catch you guys next time.
2: Thank you for listening to Across the States, the premier state-focused podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council. To learn more about our work or to make a tax deductible donation, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at ALEC States and check us out online at ALEC.org. All individuals on this show do not speak for the American Legislative Exchange Council and are representing their own individual opinions.